Luke chapter 2 verse 4 says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. I want to take a few moments to speak for you, speak to you from this thought, make room. Make room. Um, about the last probably six months of 2019, maybe more, but at least the last six months of 2019, uh, there's a song written by gospel artist Jonathan McReynolds that I listen to probably at least six or seven times a week. And the reason why I listen to that song is because that song speaks about intentionally making room for Jesus and the things of God in your life. I want to read to you some of the lyrics from this song for those of you who maybe have never heard it or if you have heard it, you were so caught up in the melody that you overlooked the words. It says, I find space for what I treasure. I make time for what I want. I choose my priorities and Jesus, you're my number one. So I will make room for you. I will prepare for two. So you don't feel that you can't live here. Please live in me. And then he goes on to, uh, to, to list a litany of things that he's giving permission to God to move out of the way of his life. He says, my will, you can move that over. My way, you can move that over. My ego, you can move that over. Yes. My plans, you can move that over. My schedule, my itinerary, you can move that over. And I will make room for you. My habits, my attitude, whatever it is that's not like you, whatever it is, you can move that over. He says, whatever it is that's in your way, whatever it is, if it takes your space, you can move that over. Whatever it is, I don't want it there. I will make room for you. He says, I want to seek you first. Get the odd things out the way. I want to seek you first. Move it all out the way. Whatever it is, you can move that over. And, and we, we uh, I believe, with all the hustle and bustle, uh, specifically around the holiday season, but even just in everyday life, we have to be intentional about making room for God and Amen. the things of God. Amen. Because all too often do we get caught up into, into our wives and our husbands and our children and our, and our children and our jobs uh, and, and our health, uh, and we get caught up in all of these things. And God not only has to take a back seat, but the problem is the back seat that he's in is the last row in a 15 passenger van. And then we have to try to find room for God to fit. We, we, we cut God short because everything else seems to be so important. Uh, but every now and then you have to decide to take a look at your life. Take some inventory in your life. 
and see what's taking up space that's preventing you from making room for the things of God. We'll see that happen here in this text. We'll see Joseph make room. We'll see Mary make room. And we'll even see God himself make room. But just to give you a little context before we get to verse 4 where we're going to start, or actually verse 5 where we're going to start, uh, is, is you, uh, if you read starting at verse 1, you'll see that Caesar Augustus sends out a decree uh, for census. And everyone under Roman rule had to return to their hometowns uh, during this time uh, to be counted and ultimately uh, to make sure that their taxes are paid and up to date. Uh, so Joseph, uh, the earthly father of Christ, uh, was from the house of David, so he was required to return to Bethlehem. Uh, the Bible says that he goes from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So I wanted to know just how long of a journey that might have been. And what I found was that Nazareth is roughly... Uh, depending on where you start in Nazareth and where you end in Bethlehem, you're looking at anywhere between 80 and 90 miles. Now, uh, we have to remember that at this time, there were no cars, there were no buses, there were no Ubers, there were no lifts. Uh, so their travel uh, came by foot. Best case scenario, if you had a little bit of money, you might have a donkey or a horse to be able to ride on. Uh, but most people traveled by foot. So Joseph takes his, his fiance, he takes his betrothed wife to his hometown of Bethlehem on an 80 to 90 mile journey. And I wanted to know about how long that would take and the research that I, that I done gave me, uh, gave me these estimations that most people uh, can walk on average anywhere between 17 to 24 miles a day. So if you walk between 17 and 24 miles a day, the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem will take you roughly between four and seven days to complete. So Joseph takes his, his, his betrothed wife, his pregnant fiance, and he takes her on a week's journey to go back to his hometown so that he can stay in good standings with the law. Staying good standings with the IRS. Make sure everything is everything. But Joseph, uh, Joseph shows some very interesting traits and characteristics. If you go down to verse 5, I want you to write this down. Joseph uh, begins to make room and he, he sets an example for making room. Uh, because Joseph makes room on this journey for more than just himself. Amen. Right. Amen. Joseph makes room on this journey for more than just himself. Verse 5 says, they went to be registered. He went to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So Joseph not only prepares to take himself, but Joseph prepares to take his wife and his unborn child. He Amen. makes room. Amen. For more than just himself. Why is, why is this important? I'll, I'll give you a few things. Number one, the question is, uh, Joseph, you made room for more than just yourself, but I don't know that you did the most responsible thing. Uh, because, because according to 
law at the time, it was not a necessity for Mary to make the journey. Okay. Uh, sociologically at this time, it was only a necessity that the husband or the man of the house go back to the hometown to give an account. It's not a necessity for the wife or for the women in the household to go to be counted. So the question then becomes, Joseph, your wife is nine months pregnant. Why would you take her on an 80 to 90 mile journey on foot that's going to take you a week and you know that she's nine months pregnant? And, and, and what you'll find is that, that although on surface level it looks like Joseph may have functioned irresponsibly, in all actuality, it is very likely that one of the reasons that Joseph takes Mary with him is for Mary's safety and sanity. Amen. Amen. Uh, one of the reasons it's likely that Mary makes this journey is for her own safety and sanity. What do you mean? What I mean is y'all got to remember we have preached for the last three weeks about this virgin Mary popping up with God's baby. And although Joseph was obedient to the will of God for his life and decided to still take Mary for his wife, they lived in a society that was overly judgmental, even when they don't know the full story. Uh, now, I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph lived in a society uh, where people were overly judgmental because they only had to judge what Mary and Joseph posted on Facebook. That's all they had to go off of. All they had to go off of was the pictures that they posted on Instagram, but the people didn't know that it took them 27 tries to get that one. Okay. They, they, they judged the story without having all the details. And so, so Joseph tells Mary, no, because see, if I leave you here, these people might get to tripping and they already talking about us uh, behind our back and, and I'm not going to leave you here to deal with this mess and deal with this foolishness by yourself uh, so so I'd rather you just come with me I know it's going to be tough uh, I know the, the, the burden can be heavy but but I feel like for your safety and, and, and your sanity uh, whether you're dealing with these crazy people it might be better for you to just for you to just come with me because I told you at that time it was it, it, it was regular for uh, if a woman popped up pregnant before she was married that they would stone her. So Joseph didn't want to take no chances on somebody taking it upon themselves to stone Mary even though he chose to, 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 to continue his relationship with Mary. So Joseph takes Mary on this journey for Mary's safety and sanity. Now, now, here's another reason why I believe that Joseph takes Mary on this journey. I believe that Joseph takes Mary on this journey because Joseph understands that you don't leave behind what God has given you. You don't uh, get a blessing from God and just leave that blessing unattended. Let me rephrase that. You should not get a blessing from God and leave that blessing unattended. Be because, because, because when God gives you something, God doesn't give you uh, thrift store gifts. Um, God, God, God doesn't give you 
only what's on sale. <laughs> now that's good. Because don't get it twisted. As much as I love you, if, if, I, if I give you a gift, you better believe I got a deal on it. I just don't believe in paying full price for nothing. I just, I, just, I just don't believe that that's God's will for my life. I just believe that God uh, that God sent the clearance rack down just for your boy I, I, I believe he had me in mind when he sent that from heaven but, uh, but God don't function like that God, 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 God gives you some stuff God gives you some stuff that, that regardless of how rich you are money just can't buy it God God, God gives you Understand this. God gives you some stuff that might have low cost, but incomparable value. And, and many times we get caught up into what something costs. And that causes us to overlook value. You got to understand that everything that costs a lot isn't valuable and everything valuable isn't expensive. You you go go get a bottle of water. And, And science tells you that there's no way you can survive without water. But you can get a gallon of water for 97 cents at Walmart. So water is valuable, but it doesn't have to be expensive. So, so Joseph understands that I have something too valuable to leave unattended. So he says, even if her being nine months pregnant slows me down and it takes me closer to the seven days than it does the four days, or even if it takes me ten days instead of four days, it, 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 this, what I have is too valuable for me to leave Unattended, so so he tells Mary, Mary, I I, I know your feet is swollen up, and I I know you walking with a wobble, and your hand is on your back, but Mary, I need you to come on and make this journey with me because you're too valuable to me for me to leave you unattended, and 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 what what's what's inside of you is too valuable to us for me to leave you unattended. So so Joseph says. Joseph says, I can't leave it behind. I can't leave them behind because they're too valuable. And we need to take a page out of Joseph's book because too many times do we leave behind the things of God for our own convenience. Yeah, some of y'all looking at me strange, but your co-workers don't even know what church you go to because you go to work and you leave behind the things of God for your convenience. You go to a restaurant and, and somebody might not even know that you've ever heard of Jesus because the waitress don't even put your plate down good before you got your knife and fork in it and you ain't said a prayer over nothing because you believe you leave the things of God at home for your, for your convenience. Some of us go into spaces and places uh, of leisure and we hanging out 
and, and we so busy blending in that people can't tell that you've been set apart and that you're a part of a chosen generation and that you're a wedding priesthood because it's convenient to leave God at home for this social setting. And too many times do we leave at home the valuable things of God for our own convenience. But Joseph says, I don't care how bad they laugh at me. Word has probably spread that I'm the fool that stayed with the virgin that came up pregnant. But I don't care what they say about me. I don't care how they talk about us. I don't care if they laugh at us. I don't care if they whisper behind our back or to our face. You're too valuable to me. Me to leave you behind. Joseph says they just gonna have to deal with it. They just gonna have to talk about me. At least I'll give you something to talk about. I'll be doing something wrong if you didn't have nothing to say. Good, bad, or indifferent. I'm giving you something to look at. Joseph says, regardless of what happens, I will make room. Amen. Then Joseph says that he's gonna take Mary with him. He's gonna make room for Mary. He's going to make room for the baby. And then Mary follows suit because Mary makes room herself. Amen. Mary makes room herself. Mary uh, makes room uh, for her deliverance. Okay, y'all still asleep, y'all. We make sure that coffee pot full when y'all get there. Some of y'all keep walking past that thing. Y'all need to go ahead. Y'all still sleep. Mary makes room for her deliverance. Verse 6, verse 6 says, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. You got to understand that Mary, Mary makes this journey, and she has to be intentional about making this journey. Ladies, if y'all can help us understand, just give me a cosign on this thing. When you're nine months pregnant, you do good to walk down the stairs, let alone taking an 80 to 90 mile journey. I, I need y'all. Don't leave me hanging, ladies. Y'all, y'all. Matter of fact, some of y'all ain't never been pregnant and y'all ain't making no 80, 90 miles. So, so Mary understands the risk that she's putting herself in. Mary understands how hard this can be. Mary understands before going into it what this could, what this could mean. But Mary decides to carry herself and her blessing on an 80 to 90 mile journey to Bethlehem. See, this is significant because you got to understand that sometimes it takes more strength to carry your blessing than it does to carry a burden. Sometimes it sometimes it takes it takes some real strength to be blessed, especially when the people around you can't understand how you qualified for the blessing. Because Mary should have never been pregnant, but somehow she ends up pregnant with the Savior of the universe and so Mary has to exhibit some great strength to carry this blessing and if you look over the course of your life some of y'all can testify to the fact that before I was living for God life seemed to be a whole lot easier but as soon as God started blessing me as soon as I made the decision to be obedient to him as soon as I decided that for God I live and for God I die stuff just start getting real heavy and God was blessing me and he was opening up doors that no man could open 
and he was shutting doors that no man could close and I was walking into spaces that I didn't qualify for but as soon as I walked in it got heavy because everybody in the room knew that I shouldn't have been there and they couldn't understand how I got there in the first place that blessing got heavy God bless me with a beautiful home and a beautiful place to live but that mortgage praise God got heavy yeah God sometimes it can be heavy to carry the blessings of God God can bless you with a beautiful vehicle and you look good coming out of the crew car wash drive through and but they don't know that the burden of uh, 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 the, 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 the note on that thing is a little heavy it was a blessing because you ain't had a credit to get it in the first place don't get it twisted you should have never walked off the lot with what you got it was it was a blessing don't get it twisted but but it gets heavy because they don't they everybody talking about how good you look in it but ain't nobody got nothing on no no Blessings get heavy sometimes, and sometimes it takes more strength to carry the blessing than it does to carry a burden. Because when you got burden, listen, I, I done been down so low that I just be chilling because I know I can't get no lower. So we, we, we might well just chill. Ain't even no point in, ain't even no point in tripping over them. <laughs> Once you hit rock bottom, you can't go nowhere but up. So. Yeah. When the burden comes, sometimes it's easier to deal with the rough stuff than it is to deal with the blessings. Y'all not going to be real. I'll be real by myself. There, there's been some times... There's been some times where I had to I had to make sure that I went to the Speedway gas station because I bank with Chase and if I get the gas on Wednesday, it ain't going to come out till Friday, y'all. Hey! That crazy if you want to, but sometimes, sometimes I done been burdened and I went on and I, I filled up my tank with a smile on Wednesday because I, I, I just had to thank God that He got me through Monday and Tuesday. God, thank you for getting me through Monday to midnight Wednesday. I'm at the Speedway gas station just filling up tap dancing. Just, Sometimes the burdens can be easy to deal with. I, I, I can figure out how to make it. It's all kind of books to tell you how to pick yourself up and, and tell you how, how to become a millionaire. But don't nobody tell you how to deal with the blessings. Don't nobody tell you how to deal with the isolation that comes with being anointed. Don't nobody tell you how to deal with the heaviness of being blessed. nobody tell you how to be able to discern those who are with you because of who you are versus those who are with you because of what you can do for them. Yeah, sometimes being blessed can be heavy, but Mary decides to make this journey understanding that it's even though uh, it takes more strength for me to carry this blessing. I also know that God will never put more on me than I can handle. And as long as God brings me to it, he'll bring me through it and I'll be all right on the other side. So Mary decides to make room and she, she sacrifices her body to make this journey. And then something interesting happens because now it's time for Mary to give birth. And, and, and I'm, 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 I'm imagining and I'm embellishing a little bit, but I, I just picture, I just picture and I, and I wonder if the journey had an influence on inducing Mary's labor. Yes. Yeah, 
because because ladies, y'all know that when it comes time to the end, the doctor will tell you, listen, we don't want to induce your labor with medication. We'd rather you uh, walk the baby out. Yeah, just 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 get active and get moving. And if 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 you increase your walking, then you you you'll make the baby make the baby uh, want to come faster. The baby will drop down uh, faster. And even even sometimes when you're actually in the hospital in labor, they'll take you uh, on on labor laps around the labor and delivery floor of the hospital to to get the baby to come out when. When my wife was, was delivering Jewel, they set her on something called a peanut, and it was like a little exercise ball that was shaped like a peanut, and she had to sit on the ball and rock her hips back and forth for a little while, and then she had to get up and go walk for a little while, and then she had to come back to the peanut and, and rock for a little while. And, 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 so, and, so, and so I believe, I believe, that, I believe that the journey, I believe that the journey influenced the, the labor uh, that Mary was about to go into. Uh, why is that important? It's important because uh, there's some people in this room or some people watching online uh, that you're getting ready to quit, but you're only halfway through the journey. But if you really want to birth what God has put inside of you, you got to just keep going and just keep walking. You got to, you got to take some labor laps. And if you just, if you just keep it moving, then God will, will send you into labor and allow you to birth that thing that he's put inside of you. But Mary, Mary's ready to give birth in verse 6. And, and, and the Bible says that so it was, the time had come. The time had had been completed, that it was now time uh, for her delivery. Uh, and, and, and the way y'all looking at me, y'all still sleep. The Bible says in verse 6 that it was, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Okay, I thought reading it again. So, okay. So, so it's time to give birth, and, and, and Mary, Mary begins to feel the labor pain. She begins to feel the contractions. There's, there's, there's contractions that cause pain that let you know that you're in labor. There, there, there's some things that happen. Your, your water breaks, and it lets you know that you're in labor. You start to feel some pain down on the inside of you, and it lets you know that you're in labor, and and. and and if you if if you've never uh, uh, if you've never looked into this, you'll understand. If you take some time to look into it, you'll understand that that those labor pains are actually uh, instructions. Right. Right. Th those labor pains are nothing more uh, than traffic lights. Okay. Instructions. All right. So, so, so what happens is uh, when you have uh, a nurse in the room, you got the doctor in the room, uh, some of y'all, you got a doula, whatever it is, your cousin, auntie, them, whoever's in the room, uh, they encourage you when you're, when you're giving labor to push. Uh, but 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 if you notice, if you're in a delivery room, if you notice, everybody's yelling push at the same time. 
And so the question then becomes, how does everybody know when to yell push in unison at the same time? And the answer to that question is, you yell push when the contractions come. All right, all right. Um, when the pain comes, is when you push. I'm making me work a little bit too hard. I, I told you I'm, I'm, I'm not all the way there. I, I can't really raise my voice. I can't get excited. So I need y'all to understand. Uh, when you're in labor, you don't push until the pain comes. There's something inside of you that's trying to get out. But it won't come out unless you push in the painful moments. God has given all of us something. And God wants to birth whatever that something is out of all of us. And the reason why we can't seem to get it out is because every time we feel a little bit of pain, we want to give up. But Mary is telling us that you have to push when the pain comes. You, you, you got to be willing, ready, and able to push through the pain coming. And so this is what was interesting to me. This is what was interesting to me. I, I remember I remember uh, I remember watching uh, my wife push through uh, her labor pains. And I remember the doctor saying something very interesting. And it, and it didn't even register to me until years later. Jewel will be five in February. This probably registered to me maybe about a year and a half ago. The doctor told my wife when to push. And my wife began to push. And the doctor says something very interesting as my wife is pushing. The doctor says, don't hold it. Let it out. Okay. Um, she says, don't hold it. Let it out. So, so the, the doctor was saying, listen, don't just push, but make some noise when you push. Because if you make noise when you push, it eases the pain a little bit. I told y'all that y'all stopping halfway through the journey. See, 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 you coming to church was only half of the journey. You, you not feeling like it and getting out of bed and making your way here is only half of the journey. Uh, the bottom line is you didn't feel like it. You still in pain. I don't care if it's emotional pain, mental pain, physical pain. You still in pain and you made your way to church and you have convinced yourself that that was enough. But I came here to tell you that if you feel those pains, that if you just push and make some noise. That God will bring something out of you that eyes have not seen and ears have not heard and neither has it entered into the hearts of me and what God has in store for you if you just push through the pain and make some noise. Sometimes, sometimes our blessings are being held up because we stop at the halfway point and we get here, but we get here and we just sit and chill and relax and look at what everybody else is doing. But God said, if you're willing to get here, you might as well make some noise while you're here. You made your way to the hospital. You might as well get well while you're here. You made your way here. You might as well leave different than when you came. If you can just push through the pain and make some noise, I'll make something out of nothing. Hallelujah. So then Mary says, I'm pushing and the 
Bible says, and so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And that's the third time I've read that and y'all still ain't got it. I don't really know what else to tell you. Uh, I don't know how you don't see that two deliveries took place in this one moment. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how y'all missed the fact Hallelujah. that Mary is the one pregnant. So Mary goes into labor and Mary delivers a baby. But, but the Bible says, and so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. I've had conversations with everybody in this room. Y'all not going to make me believe y'all robbed the short bus. The Bible says, <laughs> the Bible says that Mary's pregnant. And Mary goes into labor. And Mary delivers a baby. But the Bible said that the days were completed for her to be delivered. So as Mary delivers a baby, Mary gets delivered as she delivers. All right. Here's what you got to understand. The place where you push is the place of your deliverance. All right. Uh, let's go back to the Old Testament. Uh, Moses, tell him about your story. Moses says, uh, if I would have stopped at the Red Sea, then we would have never been delivered from the hand of Egypt. But because I pushed through, we were delivered with Pharaoh's army behind us in the Red Sea in front of us. But because, because we pushed, we were delivered out of his hand. Okay. All right. Joshua, you you rocked with Moses for a long time. What did you learn from Moses? Joshua says, listen, uh, if we would have stopped at Jericho and believed that it was an impenetrable city, we would have never been able to walk into what God had for us. But because we didn't stop halfway through the journey and we pushed through, he delivered the land into our hands. And guess what? We didn't even have to fight for it. Because the place where you push is the place of your deliverance. Y'all got to understand there's a story. There's a story that comes after the birth of Christ where there's a man who's paralyzed and he he needs to get to Jesus. And Jesus is in the house holding revival. And the Bible says that the doors doors are packed out. It's standing room only. And they can't get the man into the house to get to Jesus. And the Bible says that the man has four friends. And the four friends grab a corner of his bed and they take him up to the roof and tear the roof off the house to get the man down to Jesus and they understood that if I just looked at the crowd and decided to give up then I would have never been healed but because I decided to push through I've been made whole like there's a woman there's a woman who has an issue and she's been having the same problem for 12 years she's got an issue of blood and Jesus wasn't even thinking nothing about her Jesus was on his way to deliver somebody else but she decided within herself if I can just touch the hem of his garment if I can just get out of this house and push through I know I'll be made well because when I push is where I'm delivered 
So Joseph makes room for more than himself. And Mary makes room for her deliverance. And those are great examples for us to to monitor and, and to imitate. But then God, in true godly fashion, is not to be outdone. Because verse 7 tells us that God makes room for a Savior. Verse 7 says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Hmm. Okay. Uh, So Mary, Mary, Mary gives birth to Jesus. And as we talked about As we talked about last week, Mary gives birth to Jesus and Joseph names him Jesus. But Mary takes this blessing that she had to push through to get. The Bible says that she wraps him in swaddling clothes. Now, now in Sunday school as a kid, uh, all the pictures that I saw of Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes was like these oversized blankets. Uh, and, and, and it was explained in a way that, that implied that the swaddling clothes were where Jesus was, was the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he had clothes that didn't even fit him. <laughs> this is why the Bible says study to show yourself approved. Uh, because because if you do your research, if you do your research, you'll understand this. Um, uh, you'll have to ask Elder Bacon what this word is because I don't speak Greek. But I did some research that said the Greek word for swaddling means strips. Okay. The, 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 the original uh, text, original writing that this text was written in, that Greek word. Uh, means strips of cloth and not oversized clothing. Okay. Um, now, I don't know what that word is. I'm not going to mess that up. Elder Bacon, he know all that stuff. You can go ask him if you want to know what that word is, what the Greek word is for strips of cloth. Okay. But what it means is strips of cloth. Okay. Now, this is what you got to understand. Uh, God makes room for a Savior. Mary, Mary wraps the baby Jesus in swaddling clothes in these strips of cloth. Um, when I did my research on what the swaddling clothes really were, it almost brought me to tears. Because, because there was a revelation in that moment that showed me that the same thing Jesus had on at his birth was the same thing he had on in his tomb at his death. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. The Bible says that they wrapped him in grave clothes. You know, you know, the same types of clothes that they had Lazarus in. Clothes that had him bound up and wrapped up. They they wrapped him in strips of cloth. And so in Jesus' birth, he's already given prophecy about his death. So, so Mary, Mary wraps him at the point of birth in the same types of clothing that he'll be in after his death. 
There's a song that I love to hear uh, called Mary Did You Know. And, and Mary Did You Know is a song to Mary asking her about all the things that she might have overlooked. Did you know that your baby boy will come and save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy would, would walk where angels trot? Did you know all of these things about your baby boy? But I wonder if she knew that the clothes that she was wrapping her newborn son in were the same clothes. Jesus. That they would bury him. Mary, did you know? Um, so, so Jesus gives this prophecy, even in his infancy, about his purpose for coming. So, so God, God makes room for the Savior. And if you look at the words of God, you'll understand that even from the, from the very moment that Jesus enters the earth, God is making room for the Savior of the earth. Okay. So then, then the Bible says that after Mary wraps him in the swaddling clothes, that she lays him in a manger. Okay. Um, and, and, and a manger is a feeding trough for animals. So, so Mary is, is reduced to wrapping her newborn baby in potential grave clothes and laying him in a container that had animal food in it. Okay. So, so Mary says, listen, she, this, this, is, this, this is how, how this speaks to uh, the strength and the resilience of women. Because Mary says, I got to make do with what I got. And if all I have is a manger to lay my baby down in, guess what? That's what I'm going to do. So Mary lays him in the place where the animals are used to eating. And, and a lot of times the animals are used to eating what was left over. What the people were eating. So it was... She lays Jesus in a place where, where the leftovers were discarded. And, and, the, and the animals who were, who were thought of less than would come and eat what was discarded. So, so Mary lays her baby, the savior of the world, in the place where, where the least and the left out normally hang out. Y'all still not getting it. Mary takes the Savior of the world and places him right in the middle of things that are, that are, that are thought of uh, as less than. And she places him right in the middle of, 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 of things that people don't really give a second thought to. Amen. Okay. So I say, Mary, I understand you got to work with what you got, Mary, but... But what made you lay him in a manger uh, versus just holding him? Mary, you could have just held him. Why you, why you put him in the manger? Why, why? And she says, well, she says, well, well, that's where the ones who are the least, the lost, and the left out, this is where they eat. And, and I just gave birth to the bread of life. He came for the least, the lost, and the left out. So why wouldn't I put the bread of life where the least, the lost, and the left out can get to him? Amen. Uh, 
And then Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and all of you who come to me will never hunger again. And, and all of you who are thirsty will never thirst again. She places the bread of life right where you can get to him. And that's all I'm trying to do today is put the bread of life right where you can right where you can get to him. And then this is the last thing I got. I got to wrap this up. God makes room for a savior uh, because there was no room for him in the end. There's no room for him in the end. Everybody who's, who's of the lineage of David is coming to Bethlehem to give an account during the census. Everybody's coming. So all the hotels is booked up and packed out. Even the motels that don't nobody want to stay in is booked up and packed out. So Mary and Joseph, because they were moving a little bit slower than everybody else, because Mary was carrying some precious cargo, so they couldn't rush the process. They had to, they had to make sure that they got there safely, so they got there late and wasn't no room, wasn't nowhere for them to stay. There's no room for them in the end. And, 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 and what happens is all of the people who turn them away saying that there's no room, all, all of the innkeepers when they knocked on the door and they turned Mary and Joseph away, all of those people missed a blessing because they did not make room for Jesus. Look at all the people who passed up on witnessing the birth of the Savior but messed up because there was no room. Yeah, they, they miss Jesus because there's no room for him. And God is not one to function in confined spaces. God says, if you make room for me, then I'll do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. But I'm not going to try to wedge and squeeze myself into some leftover space. So if you can't make room for me, I'll go find room somewhere else. And I don't want nobody in this room to miss their blessing because they won't make room for God in their lives. So God says, I'm going to make room. I'm going to make some space for the Savior to be born. God says, I'm going to have my will be done no matter what. He says, if you don't praise me, I'll make the rocks cry out in your place. Whatever I have to be done, it's going to get done. The question is, are you going to be a part of it? So the Bible says that there's no room for him in the end. There's no room for him. And my question to you is, uh, what areas of your life don't have room for Christ? Yeah, because the areas in which are already full are probably the areas in which you lack. It sounds oxymoronic to say the areas in life where I'm full are the areas in life where I lack. But the reality is your bank account can be full and you can lack peace of mind. If you don't make room for Jesus. You can be married for 20 years and, and still be unhappy because you didn't make any room for Jesus. You, 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 you can have a family so big that you can pack out the JW Marriott and have y'all don't even know each other and the rest of y'all don't like each other because there's no room. 
There's no room for Jesus. So, so my question to you is, what areas of your life are you lacking because there's no room for Jesus? I, I'm going to step out on a limb and I'm going to give you some information and you do with it whatever you want to do with it. But I come here to tell you that if you're lacking in your marriage, make room for Jesus. And what, matter of fact, matter of fact, listen, listen, if, if you're lacking to find somebody to marry. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you got to make room for Jesus. My, my, my father-in-law told my wife, my father-in-law told my wife uh, that, that she has to be uh, so wrapped up and so consumed with the things of God that her future husband will have to seek God to find her. So I dare you to make room for Jesus in your relationships and watch what he does. I, I, I dare you to make room for Jesus with those family members that you just can't seem to click with and watch what he does. I, I dare you. Some of y'all really not going like this. I dare you to make room for Jesus in your finances and, and, and watch what he does because, because I'm a living breathing, walking, talking testimony that God has made some stuff stretch and there's no other explanation other than him because I know how much I put in the bank and somehow more than what I put in is coming out and he seems to find to make a way out of no way. I know that if I make room for him that he'll make room for everything else. The Bible says it like this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. All you got to do is be like Jonathan McReynolds and decide to make room for him. Somebody give God some praise in this place and let him know that he got some room in your life. 